that, that's where I would like to get. Like, I, in terms of, I don't know if I want to do anything specific or I want access to certain people. I just would like to be given the opportunity to make the things I want to make. Um, and if I could do that at a large scale, that'd be amazing. But I don't think that is in my, I don't think that's where this road leads necessarily, but it might, it might. Hello, everyone. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame. I'm Jamie Berger. Matthew Letkowitz is a writer, most recently of the book You Suck at Drinking. He's also a graphic designer, videographer, creative director, and now TV showmaker. His first series, the comedy advice show You Can Do Better, debuts on True TV on August 23rd. More important to me, though, is that Matthew, along with Sarah Reed, are co-founders of the legendary Lady Killigrew Cafe in the equally legendary Book Mill in Montague, Massachusetts, where I live. Ten years ago, this month, after nearly a decade and a half in San Francisco, I applied and got accepted to the creative writing program at UMass and had to find an apartment from 3,000 miles away. I had decided not to move to the college town, Amherst, not really wanting to be a 40-year-old graduate student in a college town, nor did I want to go to what I then saw as kind of a wannabe San Francisco, the up-and-coming, very popular cultural hub of Northampton. Instead, through a kind of windy path, I was directed to a tiny village called Turner's Falls. And it's a village because it's one of the five villages of the town of Montague. I had never lived outside a city in my life before. And it was a little scary to move without seeing where I was going. And when I got there at first, it was daunting. But I got very lucky in my choice of towns. The book mill was 10 minutes away. Google Montague book mill if you want to know more. And quickly, the incredibly vibrant creative community that formed, or that Matthew and Sarah formed along with other people, became my social center for my dog, Bo, and for me. It was my study hall, my writing den, my bar, my cafe, and the place where Bo said dog, introduced me to my future wife. I'll tell you that story another time. Matthew and Sarah were these two cool, and I mean that in the best way, people, more or less living out in the woods, at least that's the way it seemed to me, who were obsessed with and connected to a community I had just moved away from and was friendly with, if not exactly friends with, in San Francisco. The Dave Eggers, McSweeney's, and the 826 Valencia Street Educational Arts Center and Pirate Store. The cafe would often even put on events by traveling McSweeney's authors and related music acts. I got pretty comfortable there. The Lady Killigrew 
and the book mill exemplify a kind of epitome of acclaim, fame, coolness for a physical location. Matthew and Sarah sold the cafe and moved to Oakland several years ago, but we meet and catch up on one coast or the other from time to time. This spring, I had a drink with Sarah, now an interior designer. You can find her work at smallvictoriesdesign.com when she came home for a quick visit. And she told me that Matthew had just landed a TV show on True. So, of course, thinking about 15 minutes, I was excited and thought that what a great place to look in on someone reluctantly climbing or, as, as you'll learn, maybe being pushed up uh, is a good way to put it, that fame wall I keep talking about. Matthew and I spoke on the phone in June, about an hour before Game 6 of the NBA semifinals, when our Warriors were peaking and looked great, heading into Game 6 of their series with Oklahoma City. Hey, hello. Your your life is is taking all kinds of exciting turns. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in and we can jump in and out. I think it's great. So all I know from Sarah is very little. So tell me what you're up to in terms of the show. Sure, I am uh, making a television show, a comedy advice television show for a small cable network called True TV. So this is not to say it's a la, it's not false advice like another friend of ours might give. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's near, and to be honest, it's nowhere near as funny or creative or interesting even. It's a pretty dumb show. Like, and I say that, I say that as self, as aware as I am of being, how self-deprecating I am and whatever. But it is, like, it's just in that spectrum. It doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. Or, un- or uninteresting, but it is being driven not by me, but by a network. I'm also a big fan of Dumb. So, hey. So, so how did this come about? Uh, last year, I wrote a book called You Suck at Drinking, or a book that I wrote came out called You Suck at Drinking. And it was a comedy advice book about drinking and sort of written in a very dry style, like it was a Boy Scout manual sort of for, for the drinker. And that got me a meeting uh, with a production company in L.A. that has, you know, const- I didn't actually know how television really worked, um, but uh, there was a production company, and what they do is they develop new TV show ideas, and try and then go to the cable networks and just pitch them because that's and then cable networks they rarely do especially in the outer waters where I am they don't develop their own material they just take pitches and then they give money to production companies who are independent to make them so it got me a meeting with one of those production companies who'd made a few shows um, about beer so they that's why I got the meeting and then we developed it uh and that was an interesting process which we can get into but we developed it that then they pitch it they pitched it we got a development deal which means they gave us the network true gave us a little money 
to make a pilot. We made a pilot. Then they bought 13 episodes to make a season. And when will the season debut? August 23rd. Right after Adam ruins everything. <laughs> He's... He's another another show on True TV called Adam Ruins Everything, and we are going to be paired with him. Ah, is that a true hit? Are you being set up for success? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is. I am being set up for success. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it is their hit. Two things I want to hit on art: the way you felt about the book, which you had worked on for a long time, and you'd kind of fallen into writing about this instead of like all of us dreaming of writing our, our great fiction. And then you ended up with a book deal. And then you ended up with a book that I really, and lots of us thought was really great and fun. But the, at the time, you seemed disappointed with. And and so go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Keep going. I want to hear what happens. <laughs> well, just because, you know, that is for a writer, the idea of, of beginning to be famous or beginning to be acclaimed anyway, is to publish your first book. And you did, and, and I was kind of, I felt bad because you, you didn't seem to be enjoying it like you should because it was a, it was successful, I thought. It was not successful. It really didn't sell anything. Uh, it's like, they, they haven't made any money off that book. Um, I was not happy, but it is true. Yeah, I wasn't happy with it because it just, it, it was, you know, okay, how to, how to say this succinctly. Um, which is not a, a skill of mine. So it's, it's not your yeah, job. Right, it's my right. job uh, in some way to make it <laughs> more succinct later. Um, but it was, it was a commercial, it was commercial art, you know, like that concept of commercial art, like advertise. There's a lot of great art that happens in advertising, meaning just craft. Like there's a lot of great craft. Um, but those aren't, those aren't artistic statements. Those are, you know, whatever they are, they're, 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 they're meant to delight you in different ways, you know, and they're, they serve a different purpose. And my book was more on that end than it was on the like artistic end. Right. And had you hoped beginning that it would be more on the artistic end? Yes. And of course it wasn't, of course it wasn't. Nobody wanted my bullshit art idea. You know, like that's the reality is that, and that's what I had that talk with my, with the, the woman who became my agent. Um, and cause I had pitched this book. Yeah. I'd been doing drinks writing totally as an accident and kind of making it funny. Like I had a little comic angle on what being a drinks writer was. And you did indeed. I did indeed. And it was fun and I enjoyed it and I enjoyed writing the jokes. And I think I got better at writing jokes and just, uh, at least jokes as they are defined very broadly by me. Uh, and that was all good and whatever. And, um, but when the, when the idea of a book came around, that was just on the internet, you know, and then sometimes in print. And so like, it's when the idea of a book came around, of course, it was like, aha, I will put out a thing and it will, and it will be my, it will be an expression that I want to put out into the world. And so I had this whole, I don't even really remember. And it was, it was a dumb idea. Um, it had, but it had something to do with like a social, a kind of a memoiry social history of, of booze culture. And I, nobody wants that fucking book, you know, and I, but I just wanted it to be smart. And then my agent was like, you know, the, even though I was resisting the dumb version, I was like, I don't want to just do the like thing that I've been doing. Like I want to expand on it. And my agent was like, yeah, nobody wants that. And you, you can do this other one. 
like if you want. If you want to do this, you can, and sometimes that's a good first step into getting to a place you want to be, and I believe she was correct. And when I called it a success, as a consumer, I enjoyed the book, and I heard your voice in it, and certainly for you it's a success because it led to what you're doing now. Right, although what I'm doing now is the worst. (laughs) Here's the thing. You're about to make another product. Yep. And a product that in our current entertainment industry is going to be, if it's a grand success, it will be so because of your personality. And if it's a grand success, then you become a famous person whose personality drove a show. And how do you feel about that? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, totally uninterested, which is, which is surprising to me. Because I think I would have thought in my 20s that this would be the most exciting thing of all time, um, to, that that was a possibility. But I've learned a, lo- a lot. We, I have famous friends. Uh, and so I, I, do, I go into this with my eyes very open about what this world is, what it values, what they uh, – what you are kind of allowed to do and and the way you're allowed to do it, unless you get to, you know, some amazing place or you're Miranda July or something like, you know, you don't have a lot of control. And and so the backwaters of like writing short stories and trying to like write weird online email stories or whatever is so much more appealing to me because just, Oh, who fucking wants to fight the network about, the joke about can we make a joke about joke about we that we we're trying to do or whatever and fight them on it and it's like ugh who cares so I, I really and 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 like being sort of famous because the, the type of fame you're talking about is not and that's the you know that's something that you just kind of I think have learned you know having seen people go through it like the there are level there are levels of fame and at the bottom of it which is where I would be. Well, I, th- I think you're looking for a, a, a ceiling of cash cab fame. Wait, what's cash cab? You don't know what cash, oh, cash cab is? Oh, cash cab, the old game show. Yes. That was such yes. a great yes. show. His cab, yeah, the lights like would that's... go on. That was a yes. party. Oh, I love that. Yes. that would, and he would like surprise people. That was a great show. Or those rep- Yeah, or those guys who, who debunk uh, stuff. Myth, Mythbusters. Yes. yes, totally. And I could write, there's like, is that a career that I want? Because it's not about that type of fame. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? Nobody cares. Like, I, whatever. You see Adam or whatever, the famous guy who's on it. Like, he seems like a cool guy. Like, whatever. But like, who cares? I mean, is his life that different or better because he's famous at that level? I don't think so. Well, the thing that John and, and my friend Annie Duke have said is, is access is what, is what it gives you. And and the fact is that if you do that, or I, I've I hope I'll get eventually to talk to Amber Tamblin, who I've been at weddings with, and and I could say, hey, I made this show. We met once at a wedding, because you have an odd career. I've never seen a single thing you've done on screen, but I've read your poetry. So now she's a successful poet, but will she be taken at face value? Mm, hard, but she gets to publish poetry, and it's. Good work, and but I suppose it might even be more difficult because you're never going to know whether you're being judged as a poet. But she might not have had such access to publishing books 
Oh, access. Been oh, a star. I see what you mean. Access. And yeah. my friend Annie talks about access to people intellectually that wouldn't necessarily want to collaborate with her or meet her, who she's fascinated by. Yeah. And that is, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. And obviously, I have a pretty cynical view of a lot of things. Um, but uh, but I have a, a, a side. I have a part of me that is optimistic and excited about this. And and I, and I see in that part that I, I never thought about it, access, but that makes sense to me, is do I, does it open a door that well, I wouldn't have been able to open? I don't mind doing this work. Like, it's easy work in some ways. It's stressful in a lot of ways that are very unpleasant. Um, to make it a little less vague, tell us about episode one. Uh, episode one. And then we'll come back to that. Sure. Yeah. Episode one is about drinking. So the show is called You Can Do Better. Uh, so the first episode is drinking. So it's kind of very much taken from my book. Um, but then from there, we, we do cut, we just go into other subjects. Um, the idea is that we give advice on topics that people, you encounter in adult life, but no one actually prepared you for, like drinking or, um, Fame. Uh, fame. <laughs> we, we haven't, that'd be a funny one to cover. Um, it becomes like a meta, like Larry Sanders kind of thing. I, and so what we do is we offer sketches and different little segments, basically, um, that offer advice on that topic. Sometimes we, we interview experts. Um, we try and tap like untapped experts. So it's, it's not, you know, like when we're talking about drinking, like let's interview a bar fly. Like let's really get to know, like, what is it? What are the ex? Cause there's, he's an expert at drinking, like, you know, or, you know, then there's experts all around you. Like I've always thought like, if you, if everyone, we, if everyone worked in a restaurant or had a friend who was a waiter, like you'd be, everyone would be so much better at going to restaurants. Um, and so it's like stuff like that, like just talk, you know, there's so much expertise kind of hidden around us about how to live in a more like, you know, just generous or fun or engaging way, um, or better to the people around you because you're more knowledgeable about their world and everything. So we dive into those worlds. Um, so a sketch might be the five stages of drunkenness. And it's like, think of it sort of like a, a children's show for adults. Like we're weirdly giving lessons. Like drunk history. Like drunk history. Yeah. Yeah. There's another ceiling for you. Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. No, because those guys have creative control. I mean, as does, I think, like, any um, – that, that's where I would like to get. Like, I, in terms of – I don't know if I want to do anything specific or I want access to certain people. I just would like to be given the opportunity to make the things I want to make. Um, and if I could do that at a large scale, that would be amazing. But I don't think that is in my – I don't think that's where this road leads necessarily. But it might. It might. Okay, so well, so you're in a road where you that, where you you don't have you have some I have control. Some I assume. control. Yes, yes. And I when have. you say we, who is we making this? Tell me about development and who we is. Uh, so we is Redtail Media. They are a production company um, in Los Angeles, and it's a collect group of guys who kind of just got together and wanted to make television. And so there's at core, there's like three to kind of four main people. But then when they go into production, um, they, we have tons of people. I mean, we've got, you know, a full, a full staff uh, is in the office now. So 
location scouts and casting people. So that whole crew, they've been building this team to do the production of the, of the show. And that's kind of what development is. And then we may, you know, and then we're, we have a team of writers. Um, are you on that team of writers? Yes. And are are you, do you have a director directing you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you have, you know, can you say, ah, I don't like that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. They, I, the, the red tail, is very much on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, the per- the people who are not on my team necessarily, they are on my team in a lot of ways, but just creatively, it, just not. It's just different. They have different stakes. Is the network? Um, they have kind of you know a different set of concerns than I do. Well, then you know what I have to say to you as a friend. Yeah. Shut up and enjoy yourself. <laughs> you have some. You have input. You have a good. The money uh-huh. are listening yeah. to you. You can you can make something you'll like enough. I hear that. I hear that. It's good advice. Yeah. I hear that. I'm I'm excited for well, you. Thank you. Perhaps more than you feel right this second. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. I'm in the weeds. I mean, the, I'm in not the fun part of this process. Like I'm in probably the least fun part of it. So what's going on right now? Right now we are still writing. So we're still trying to get an approval on our scripts from the network. But because our times table is so short. Um, these things are made for very cheap and they're made very relatively. It's, it's a lot of money. It's going to look nice, you know, it's, but relative to like, you know, um, like ABC or NBC or whatever. So you, you just have to, you don't have a lot of days. You have to compress and you got to be creative. And, th- and that's red tail is very good at that. And that's great. So we, um, so we started actually shooting, we're getting stuff approved, shooting it. And then we're we're figuring out the logo, which is kind of cool, and the uh, the titles, which I'm excited about. I think the titles will actually be kind of cool. Yeah, as a designer yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was definitely very concerned about the look. Yeah. Are getting back to the your personality being part of what's going to make this succeed or not, and will lead to people saying like, "Hey, this guy, what's his next project?" Are you getting pressured to be one as a director, producer? Are people saying, mm, be this? Um, slightly. Not from my director. Um, yeah, and not from the net. The network's not like pressuring me to be something. They're pressuring me to not be something. <laughs> like that I, if I was just given... Total, like, are you watching, for instance, are you watching Maria Bamford's show, Lady Dynamite? No, I've heard about it. It's fabulous. It's great. And she's great. And I'm guessing they can't tell her <laughs> anything. Well, that's what's amazing is that she has so much control. I mean, it's really weird. It's extraordinarily weird. And, and I can imagine that being a hard sell for a lot of networks, but Netflix is chill or whatever. Um, they don't, like, I have the opposite of that, where it's like, they they don't want the kind of out there philosophy pot smoking guy, you know, they want the charming goes into a room and can talk to, talk to a, you know, a a 50 year old mom and make her feel special guy, you know? So that's fine. I can be that guy. Like I am that guy. So that, that's fine. So I'm not feeling pressured to be like, Hey, why don't you sound a little bit more like Seacrest or anything like that. There's nothing like that at all. They, they like who I am and, what I do naturally. I could see you as the next Seacrest. Oh my God. I know. Like, I don't, not really, but like, unfortunately I would be extraordinarily good at that job. (laughs) Such a sad realization. So 
have you reached the point where you're dealing with publicists at all? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I ha- I did do a photo shoot though. For the like the promotional materials. So like for the website and stuff and that was that was very funny. There there's very few like things that are celebrated because they are really 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 good. Um and I want to to be in that category, like, you know, like that, you know, you're the best, you know, you, you added something to the culture, you added something that will be a part of, you know, what, what it means to be human, how humans understood themselves, how humans, whatever it is, like. And we all define that in terms of different pieces of art or culture. And, and it's, yeah, it sounds like, for example, she's a very, very particular taste and, I have just been listening to Miranda July. You mentioned her earlier, her, her book of stories. And there are one or two in there that I'm that that for me, the idea of success and or fame would be if I could have written if I could make th- this song, this story, and that it reached people and that it, it, it meant something, that would be that would be the ideal. And in a way, when I get back to John Hodgman and Annie Duke, you can make great art, but if you don't have the ability for people to say, Hey, Matthew Lekowitz made this piece of art. I'm going to go listen to it. Then, then not as many people will be reached by it. Well, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I, and what's amazing about like, we don't, you know, we live in an age where whatever you make, it'll basically be around forever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I mean, except uh, when the inevitable apocalypse comes and wipes everything out or whatever. But the, uh, so like we, we live in this amazing age when like your shit may reach someone in 400 years, you know? And that's, I mean, that's obviously like, that's an outlier or whatever, but, and mostly no, your thing will disappear and no one will ever see it again ever, you know, or whatever. But the reality being that, I, the worrying about the scale of the people that you reach is, I think, a silly thing to worry about nowadays. Um, because you're not going to make a living from it. What that Venn diagram where you get to make a living and you're known and you're making the best work of your life. That's so small. That's just so small. So you got to, I, cho- I choose, I choose, or I, I, this is what I have to choose. Or I, I would I rather just go back to how it was where we nights and weekends I'm writing short stories and trying to do that because I like those better. Like I like what I create in the end of them better than I like my book and better than I will like this television show. Even if literally zero of them have gotten published, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, but I like them better. I I think they're better. And so I choose, I like, do I choose that, you know, and which feels better or do I, do I play this game of like, well, I'll play this like game and make a bunch of shit that I don't think, who cares? It'll be, I mean, it'll be nice. It'll be fun. It'll add some joy to someone's day, I hope. And that's great. And that is valuable. Um, and that's why I don't mind doing it. And I think it's a valuable piece of work, but if it just leads to more of that, why would I do that? Like that's, I'm reaching more people, but I haven't chosen the good work column. You know, because I, I do think you have to make that choice. I do think that you, as a person who makes things, 
you whether it's every time you have to make that choice. I'm sure Miranda July has to make that choice even. Let's say you have five seasons of this show. And by then you're becoming known enough that, you know, you're like, hey, I've got a book of short stories. And you're like, okay, we'll publish it. Yes. How will no, you, that's right. How will you feel true. about that? Uh, fine. Totally fine. I don't, yeah, no, no, I, like, that's just the game, you know, so, like, if that's the case, like, I know that it, it will hurt in some ways. Because um, you weren't selected dummy. blind out of a contest? Well, no, I mean, no, I mean, literally, like, it'll taint people's perceptions, because some idiot on True TV wrote a book of short stories because he's a jack-off, you know, like, you know, that's, some people will have that reaction to it, it won't just be like, oh, here's a guy who I've never heard of who has written something, so they come in blank. But it would help in others, you know, and like maybe someone reads it and says like, whoa, these aren't bad, you know, like, yeah, I would t- totally take advantage of that. And that is one thing that I think I am excited. I am really excited about, I mean, they really do, even at this small level, the, 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 ta- we're literally called talent. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. As I do think about how I look, obviously, on camera and care about that quite a bit. <laughs> so, wait, yeah, yeah. Are you, do they care about you? you? You had a long beard last time I saw you. Mm-hmm. I no longer do, but of my own I, choice. I, 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 have a, I have a small beard now. How about your wardrobe? They are pretty been pretty good. They're, I've, they've been able to, they, they want it to look like I look. They, they liked how I looked. Like, True, true TV liked how I looked. I mean, it's very, very um, cliched Oakland hipster, but <laughs> I'll wow, self knowledge. Oh no, no, no! It's ridiculous. You should really look. I don't know the amount of denim that is on my body at any given time is unbelievable, unbelievable, and like super fine, like leather. <laughs> but I like it. That's feel good. Like that feels like how I want to look. I like how I look. And they're being cool. And they're being cool about that. So as you say, I am not getting like totally put through the ringer, you know, of some sort of machine that is like turning me into like a Jonas brother or something. You know, I get to basically say like, yeah, I wear these kind of clothes, like these kind of clothes and they get them for me. They get them for you. I'm, they get the, I don't know if I will be able to keep anything. I imagine I'll be able to keep the boots they got me because, like, you don't can't wear those and then return them. So there you go. There, there, there's a there's an, a clear cut perk. Perk. Oh yeah. You for got sure. boots. What are the boots? Oh, uh, they're Red Wings. They're nice. Oh, a nice pair of Red Wings. <laughs> okay. Excellent. It's very and very very on brand for uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I yeah I know the famous people I've seen. I saw Alan Cumming once, just walking on the streets of, of Brooklyn. And whatever, like, I mean, I like Alan Cumming. He's cool or whatever, but, like, I don't remember anything. I remember what he was wearing. I remember what Alan Cumming was wearing. We just passed him on the street. And I know that I, and I see that, and I saw it, and I'll remember it forever. It's bizarre. And where does that magic come from? It's very interesting, because it, it comes from culture, right? It doesn't come from them. A lot of them, a lot of them are jerks, you know, like, and they're idiots. It comes from us. I mean, it comes from, but, but why? Like, what is it about? And, you know, is it an evolutionary thing where it is like the peacock with the big thing or whatever? Like, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's very fascinating though. Cause they do, they feel magical. They feel different and they have a something else. There's an energy, you know, when you experience when you're like, Oh, that person's famous. 
What other memories of the famous or of meeting idols do you have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Yeah, oh, Eggers is a great one. Um, well, this is just a little sweet little story. Have you heard this story? I don't know I what was, I have. I was so into Dave Eggers, and still am to this day. I mean, I think I just think he's a real, real great dude, and I think he's a pretty good writer. <laughs> and uh, but what he's done with his life and the energy that he's created in the communities that he's gone throughout has been, I think, it's really inspirational to me and really cool. Okay, so love Dave Eggers and loved McSweeney, super McSweeney's nerd. Okay, so I went and I was like the first date that my wife and I uh, went to was uh, Dave Eggers reading at UMass. And I really like got up there and like he was having trouble with the microphone stand. And so I so he was like, huh, I kind of need someone to hold this microphone. And I like told I basically like jumped and leapt onto him in order to hold the microphone. Yeah, and I felt so special. I felt so special, and I held his microphone because it was a bit. We were doing a bit, me and Eggers, you know. Of course, he doesn't know who I am. We hang around after that, Sarah and I, and we give him, because there's people signing books, and he's doing the thing, and he had done a reading from a heartbreaking work, and then we give him a book mill, Montague book mill t-shirt, which is where I worked at the time and where uh, I know you from and is a very, very special, very special building, very special place. Um, so we gave him that shirt and, and asked him and then we're like, you want to come like hang out or have a drink? He's like, I'm so busy. We're like, Oh, it's too bad. Cause you sure you don't want Like we really so badly wanted to hang out with him. And he totally graciously said he had to go back to his hotel room. So I, again, I remember all of this very vividly. So then years later, um, in the meantime, I've, I, you know, I continue McSweeney's nerd, whatever, but years later, um, John Hodgman is doing, is doing some benefit for 826 NYC. Um, and we go to the event and it's this big concert. It's great. And John Roderick played. I met John Roderick that night and, um, uh, saw David Byrne in a, in a bar wearing a bicycle helmet. It was a very New York. It's like, I felt like I was in like exactly where I wanted to be. Sarah Vowell was there. Like, you know, it was like a nerdy, like literary, liberal artsy, you know, kind of event when, you know, Sarah Vowell was there. So, and I was excited. So anyways, but day, uh, John invited us backstage after the show to meet up with him. And then we would walk to the bar, um, where the little, little after party was. So we went back there. This is years later. Like, the, you know, this is uh, four years later that, that we had um, seen Dave Eggers that first time. And he was there. And, he, of course, because it was 826. And so we were like, oh, nice to meet you. You know, I didn't bring up that I have seen him many times and lunged at him to hold his microphone once. I was just, oh, yes, nice to meet you, too. You know, of course, how you deal with famous people you've met before. Um and he's like, okay, I just got to change and then I'll, uh, and then let's go. Then we can walk to the bar and I'm thrilled and so excited. We're going to walk to the bar together. Um, and he comes out wearing the Montague book mill shirt. No, it was unbelievable to me to this day. It is unbelievable to me. Aww. It was amazing. And then Sarah was wearing a lady killer shirt Aww. at the time. And so I have a photo in my office, uh, on my bulletin board, like just some cheap printed out thing, you know, from my dumb digital camera at the time of Sarah and Dave Eggers in their shirts in my office. 
And I love it. I love that photo. It means a lot to me that he was wearing that shirt. It, 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 it really, I mean, it just, I think, goes to show there's something about that man. He's a, it's like, he, he's a little magic. Like, that's weird and special that he's had that shirt for four years and wears it enough that just some dumb free shirt that he got at UMass? I'm sure I'll talk about it in the intro that you are, you are, you are famous in, in Western Massachusetts as the founder of a legendary, legendary it's cafe. True. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we haven't talked about that. That actually, it's interesting. We've been talking about all this, like, you want to make my art or whatever. That place is exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, and that was, a, that was cool. Like, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of, weirdly. It's the, the thing that I care the least about in terms of, like, my personal expression. But it is the thing, I think, that has been the most connected. That, that was a pure thing. Like, that was just what Sarah and I were doing. Like, there was no business play. <laughs> There's nothing. There's no nothing. It was just a pure thing of the space we, we wanted to create. And you did, and you ended up being it ended up being a, a cultural hub. And I hope maybe someday when I'm no longer involved with the rendezvous, I'll feel the same way you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you? Did John end up coming and writing his first book there because you knew him, or did he just show up there? And that's how you met him, Hodgman. Uh, the second part, yeah. He he. Um, um, we. Started the Lady Killigrew. We started doing events at the Lady Killigrew that fit with what we were into, and they were like small things, so we could actually book them. So, like, we hosted McSweeney's one night. That led to me writing for the McSweeney's website, doing my comedy, my humor wine column or whatever. Tell them the name um, of it uh, Stained Teeth, which was come up with by one Tristan uh, Snowcob. So I, uh, so then, but then we also had uh, Davey Rothbart and Peter Rothbart come through and do the Found Magazine thing, which was an incredible event. Um, very, very fun. And that led to John, who was friends with Davey because of This American Life. Um, and I didn't know who John was. Um, but because of that, he was like, John approached Sarah and I and said, oh, you had my friend Davey here to do an event. I have a book coming out. Um, I've been, you know, I kind of am in the area and, and I'd love to give you a copy and maybe do it, if, if you're up to it, do a reading here at the, at the book mill. And we were like, yeah, whatever. Look, pal. <laughs> yeah. Tons, tons of people write their books here. <laughs> um, you know, like, and then, but then we received the book. He brought it by, I don't remember how, uh, and it was like an advanced and reader's this was copy. areas of um, my expertise. Areas of my expertise. He and he had this very nice, very Hodgman-y, um, He had his own stationery, <laughs> so like, like a little card or whatever. And it had, of course, and I was perfect Hodgman. And uh, eh, saying, "Here's the book that I told you about." And we're like, "Yeah, okay, cool, thanks." And then, and literally immediately, as soon as you read the cover of the book, is like, "Oh, this man is incredibly talented and very funny." Um, so we were totally like. So again, like, so then that led, so then I met John. So then, and I was writing for McSweeney's. The McSweeney's gig got me the Grub Street gig. Through John, I met uh, uh, David Reese. Through David Reese, I met my literary agent. Like, it really does work that way. 
you know, like, and that's the whole access thing, right. That you were talking about. Like if you put something out into the world and it gets some level of like appreciation. So ours was the lady killer group was the lady killer. And here's the thing about, I mean, cliches are cliches cause they're true. Sure. Do the thing that you really want to do. And if that leads you in good places, that's, if it doesn't, then that's life. But if it does, then you've, You've started, yeah. I don't know. You, you've done something you wanted to do, and that led you to good places. Yeah, yeah. And don't expect to make a living from it. I think that's the that's the thing. Like, do what you're going to do, and if you really want to do it, you'll do it. You'll do it on the weekends. You'll do it at night. You know, and or start a business. You know, or if it is a business, then start a business. Like, if that's what you really want to do. But like, if it's art shit, I think you can try and make a living as an artist and say, like, I'm only going to do that but i think that's an incredible stress to put on your creative output and i tried to do that and it was not it's not like do what you're going to do and reject everything else i think is not good advice yeah do you have an episode in the can yet no all right what's a when that day comes Uh uh-huh let's have another phone call oh okay see how you're feeling just do a 10 minute okay Check do a in. little running, do a little yeah. running, uh, a yeah. little, little running, <laughs> check in with Matthew. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, that'll yeah. be, uh, who knows when that'll be. Yeah. It may not be until August. And then in a couple of years when it's like the lead into your show will be. Yeah. You're the host of entertainment tonight and you're miserable and on a lot of drugs. Yeah. You and Mary Hart. Right, right, right. Katy Perry can't any breaks <laughs> once famous pop star was caught in marina del rey you're way too ready you're you're way too ready for that okay this is gonna keep you in check yeah there you go all right all right man well, what a treat what a treat to talk to you it was real fun totally fun i hope i hope you there was something usable in there i think almost every minute is <laughs> all right thanks matthew all right i'll talk to you i'll talk to you soon bye Creative control. That seems to be Matthew Lekowitz's main hope from fame. The ability to make the art he wants to make for a living. He doesn't seem to care exactly how much fame, just enough to have that control. Don't let Matthew's sometimes extremely self-effacing nature fool you. I'm pretty confident you can do better is going to be at least interesting and maybe a lot of fun, and maybe wicked awesome. We'll see when the show debuts on August 23rd, right before or after, I'm not sure which, Adam ruins everything on True TV. After that, we'll check in again and see how Matthew feels. You can find a great many things Matthew Letkowitzian at youwillnotbelieve.us. You can find this show on iTunes or SoundCloud or just about anywhere else you would look for podcasts by searching 15 Minutes. That's 1-5 Minutes, Jamie Berger, J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R. You can also add .com to that and find our website with lots of extra tidbits about people and stuff on the show. And on Twitter or Instagram at at... One five mins, Jamie B.
If you like the show, please rate, review, like, and pass us on in any way that you do that kind of thing. Thanks. Next week, episode 10, in which I'll look back at some of what we've learned and heard so far about the Wall of Fame and its many splendors. Talk to you then. This is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger. Jamie Berger.